0: Awesome. Hey, let's jump into our message this morning. Pastor Chad did a great job last week at bringing out the very beginning of James. And James is one of my favorite books, if not my most favorite book in the whole Bible. There's lots of people that would say that this is their favorite book because there's so much truth. There's so much wisdom in just this little bitty book. There's so much to contain just in these few pages. And so I know that Pastor Chad last week challenged you guys to be reading the book of James every week before we come back on Sunday. And if you'll do this with us, it will really help you to have a greater understanding of what we're talking about every single week. And so be reading through that with us as we're going through the book of James. And so he talked about trials and facing trials and how to have joy In the midst of all of that, and so I'm jumping down just below where he was, and we're going to be starting in verse 19, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, and we'll work our way through uh, verse 25, but what I want to, I'm going to read this first part to start off. This says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power. To save your souls. And then this next part on here, we're just gonna start at the very beginning and then stop. It says, But don't just listen to God's word, do what it says, otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And in this context, we read this part, the 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 listen to God's word and do what it says. The whole title of that in this section is hearing and doing. But what we like to do is we like to choose what hearing and doing means. We like to pick out what we want to do and we use that, that little bitty passage, uh, don't, don't just listen to God's word, do what it says, is like a proverb. But that's not what it is. This isn't just a proverb, this is a part of an entire context. And the entire context is talking specifically about anger talking specifically about anger here. And so we're gonna dive into this and and what anger really brings about, how it damages us, how it damages the people around us. And so there's a couple different types of angry that we can be. Some of them you can kind of laugh off and then some of them are are really damaging seriously to you and then to the people around you. It really creates a wave effect to those around you who can really have a long lasting memory of that and that's how they remember you. So instead of remembering you as a Christ follower, They just remember you in that moment of anger, and one moment of anger can really damage your entire reputation, and so we're going to look at that a little bit today. So the first one that we can kind of laugh about is a word that I had not heard until I came on staff here, and my dear friend Jessie Taft introduced me to it because she feels this often is hangry is hangry. I don't know if you, I don't know how for 27 years I missed the word hangry, but I did. And so hangry, the act of being hungry and angry all at the same time. And people, I never knew what to call myself when I was that way. But I knew that like I had this feeling that I was hungry and mad, but I just didn't know that there was a term. And I think a lot of us deal with this kind of anger. Another one that I get sometimes is called stress freighted. You get stressed and frustrated all at the same time. And for, I mean, for a lot of us, this is what happens is there's no like in between. If you're stressed, you're mad. If you're stressed, you're angry. There's this stress-freighted all in one word. And we can kind of laugh about things like that because, you know, you can get stress-freighted or you can get hangry and kind of laugh about it later. The other one is when you get get scared and angry all at the same time. If there's a word for that, somebody let me know. But there's like this, like this, I get this way. If somebody scares me, I just go straight to mad. Like, there's no, like, in between. I just get, I just go straight to angry. And I remember when I was a kid, I got this from my mom. I remember when I was a kid, I snuck up behind my mom. I thought I was, you know, so stealthy. I snuck up behind my mom, and I was like, rah! And she turned around and popped me. That was like, her initial reaction was to turn and swing. There was no in between. There was no, like, Colton, you know, this is a warning. It was just like, turn, pow! I mean, like, right off the bat. So I don't scare my mom anymore and like even when we were just there a few weeks ago we were visiting them, my mom is she's uh, blow drying her hair and I start like 30 feet away, mom, mom Mom, mom, you know, cause she—I don't know—she's like at her most vulnerable when she's blow drying her hair. I don't, so she can't hear anything. She's always got her eyes closed, like that helps. And so, but, and so I, um, um, I start talking like like feet away so that I don't get like popped. And I know for me, I get the same way too. We were in Ireland one time on a missions trip, and underneath this church that we were at was a crypt. Like a for real crypt. And so they let us go down into this crypt underneath the church, which was like maybe the coolest thing I have ever done. It was really, really awesome. And so we get down there. But to get down there, they've got to open up these massive metal doors. And there's like this ancient wood. I mean it sounds like straight out of Indiana Jones. And so this like old like wooden door like archway that opens up and goes down in there. Well to keep people from going in there they padlocked that thing and keep it shut. And so they got all of us Oklahomans which is where we're from down underneath this church and then they shut the lid and put the padlock on it with a bunch of dead people around us. And I was not very cool about it. You know like I was like, "Okay guys, this is hilarious. I need you to let me out." Right now, like there's not like a, like a moment to lose. So we got to get out of here because there's a bunch of dead people down here. And so we get this, I, like for me, just goes from straight from like scared to angry. There's not really a transition. It's just all in one place. But for some of us, we can laugh about these things. And there's others that are a little bit more damaging. The yelling and the fighting and the hitting and the, and the, and some of these other ones that we're going to talk about here in a moment. And so what anger does is that leads us into temptation. Anger leads us into temptation. We're going to talk about three different types of temptation that this brings us into. And the first one is temptation to get revenge. Temptation to get revenge. And I think for a lot of us, this is a real issue because of our society. I'm not just going to say because we're Americans, because we're human beings. This idea of getting revenge, like I've got to get somebody back. I've got to pay them back. I can't allow what they did to me to not be, you know, to go unanswered. And how dare I ever be below anybody else? I'm going to make sure that I rise up to the occasion and I get them back for whatever they did to me. And so this idea of revenge is really sometimes uncontrollable and is really damaging to the people who are around us because we don't tend to fight fair. We want to get revenge and we want to get it in the best way that we can. But what if I told you that you could get revenge? There is a way to get revenge. And the Bible says that it's like dumping hot coals on somebody's head. That's revenge, people. You know, if I'm going to get somebody back, I don't jump straight to dumping hot coals on somebody's head, you know. But the Bible goes straight to that. We're going to read this in Romans chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 19. It says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And we do this by killing them with kindness. This is where this comes into play, that when we have somebody who harms us or angers us or or wrongs us in any way, instead of jumping straight to revenge, how about we just kind of like listen for a little bit and try to see what's going on and then treat them the way that they need to be treated because when people are angry, it's rooted out of something else. It's rooted out of something else. And so we got to help them. It says in there, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're, if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And that might not, if they're hangry, that might be what they need. But in the moment, if that, whatever they need, instead of retaliating in however you need, retaliate in a way that they need. And I think for some of us, we need to really be aware of how we respond when we get angry. How we respond when we get angry is a really big deal because it can really damage the people who are around us in our image. And our image is important because our image should reflect Christ. So we've got to be careful how we do that. Because really the idea of revenge is the most selfish way to treat somebody because it's all about you. I'm going to get them back to make me feel better. I'm getting them back so that I can feel better about what I am doing, so I can feel better about myself, so that I don't feel like a loser, so I don't feel hurt. I'm going to hurt them back, or I'm going to get them back. But what if instead we responded with grace rather than greed? What if we responded in those moments with grace instead of responding in the greediness that we have inside of us? It's important that we do that, that we're not just flying off the handle, that we're not just damaging those who are around us, but we understand that revenge is not our job. Revenge is not our job, but if we love on them and treat them the way that they should be treated, then the Lord takes over and helps us through those moments. He takes over and helps us through those moments, but so many times we just, we just go off the handle and we just say whatever we want to say. We just say whatever we want to say, and and we, we just call it good, and we just label it revenge, and then try to move on. And that's so damaging to other people and to ourselves. We can't continue to do that. We've got to understand that revenge is not the way that we treat others. It's not the way God has not called us to do this. And ultimately, that's just so selfish. It's so selfish to try to do that. But kids, it's all about you. It's all about, it's all about you feeling better. And ultimately, we, we've got we've to put that to the side. The second thing that we're going to look at here is the temptation to abandon. Temptation to abandon. And this is where we want to give up. This is where we want to quit on people and on tasks. When we get frustrated with a job or we get frustrated with something that we're trying to do, we just want to quit. We just want to be done. We want to walk away from it. And that happens, sadly, in the same way with our relationships and the people in our life. If they make us mad or if they frustrate us or if they wrong us, we just want to walk away from it. We just want to walk away from it and say, you know what? I'm finished. I'm done. I'm not going to keep doing this. But we've got to hold on to that. We've got to hold on to that relationship because we can't just push them to the side and get rid of the relationship and get rid of them and think it's all going to go away. Because that person still exists. That person is still there and they still need the love of Christ. So rather than, than us pushing them away, because what happens when we're doing that is when they're wronging you, they're already stepping outside of the will of God. They're already stepping outside of the will of God. So when we do that, we then push them even further from the will of God, when rather we could grab them and pull them back into the grace of God. There's a huge difference there, and that can really change lives if we would hold on to this, that we can't abandon people and we can't abandon tasks or callings that God has placed on our life. What I think about this is that I think so many times we never quit on the things that we want to do. We never quit on things that that we're passionate about, things that we want to do. But if it's God's calling on our life, we find all kinds of reasons to stop. We find reasons to be bitter. We find reasons to be angry. We find reasons not to come back anymore. We find reasons not to have relationships with those people anymore. So we've got to understand that it's not about abandoning. It's about holding on tighter until you can both experience the love of God. Pulling them back into the grace of God rather than pushing them away. Because when they're already outside, of the grace of God because of their anger and you push them, what happens is is you're just pushing yourself outside the grace of God too. You're not still in it. You're stepping outside of that as well. So rather than you both going outside of that grace, pull each other both back in so that you can recover and do life together so that we can love on each other rather than trying to abandon each other. I have a friend of mine that we were we were very close all the way through middle school and most of high school and I mean we were like brothers. I mean he was my, I mean he was my best friend. We did everything together. We were constantly together. If I mean if you if anybody you know said our names it was always in conjunction. It was always together. And you know he I was this little bitty guy and he was six seven so I kind of needed him around. And uh, you know he was he was a good enforcer you know for me. And what happened was is that eventually he began just to make some choices and decisions that that made him step outside the grace of God and outside the will of God. And in doing that, he started damaging the people who were around him and he really damaged me in that process. And as he was doing that, other people began to just push him away. Other people began to shove him away and and step away from the relationship to to cut ties and and to be done with him. And, And what I never felt during that time I never felt God give me the peace to let him go. I never had that. I never had God come come to me or speak into my heart and say, Colton, you know what? It's time to just be done. It's time to push him away. It's time to throw him to the side. I've never once heard that from God. And all the times that he was hurtful to me, he was hurtful to my friends and my family, I've never felt that. I've never felt that. And I don't think any of us ever actually feel that from God. It's important that we hold on to those relationships and that we try to love on those people. Now, he and I were not as close anymore as we used to be. So understand that there's, there's a friend shift that happens in the friendship. You might not be as close as you once were, but it doesn't mean that you have to completely excommunicate them. You can still love on them. You can still, you can still treat them like Christ would treat them. You know, and, and as the years have gone by, he's come back into to church and come back into his family and, and is loving on people and is doing incredible things within the church and missions and, and fundraisers for missions and all kinds of things like that. Even he was talking to my mom just the other day and he told her He said, you know what? I look up to Colton and I respect Colton so much because he was the only one that has stuck by my side and never pushed me away. And that didn't make me feel good about myself. It made me feel really bad about us as Christians because all the people that did push him away were Christians. And that's very outside of what God has called us to do. We've never been given the freedom to abandon people. We've been called to love on them and to show them grace and to help them in the ways that they need to be helped. Not to, not to retaliate, not to have revenge, not to show our anger back, but to continue to love on them in the way that they need to be loved so they can be brought back in to the grace of God. The third thing that we want to look at or see is temptation to get more angry. We have this temptation to get more angry because when we respond to anger with angry, we tend to get angry with ourselves for doing that. When we fly off the handle and we say things we don't mean or we we, we go off the edge, we get frustrated with ourselves because we should have never done that. I wish I wouldn't have responded that way. And then we just get angry with ourselves and we end up in this cycle of frustration all the time. We end up in this cycle of frustration all the time when instead we could wait a minute and slow down a little bit and pause and, and try to assess the situation before you just begin to fly off the handle. And we like to use this term a lot, well, I'm just speaking what's on my mind. And unless the Holy Spirit is in your mind, you don't need to speak at all. You don't need to say anything else in that moment. Unless the Holy Spirit is what's inside of your mind, then you just need to pause, wait for Him to speak to you, and then respond. But so many times we want to use this, well, I'm just just speaking what's on my mind. And I can't tell you how many times I have done that. I've taken the little holy spirit filter right out of my brain and just like spit fire at people. You know what I mean? And in the moment I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." You know, but then afterwards I'm like, "That was that was really that was really unchristlike and really selfish of me to do that." Because that's something that I can do is I can be quick-witted. I can be fast. But I've got to allow the holy spirit to take over in those moments and to control my thoughts rather than me controlling my thoughts. So what we put inside of our heart, what we put inside of our head is important because that is what's going to come out in those moments of anger and in those moments of frustration. So take a moment to pause. Instead of having to live in this cycle of I'm angry at myself because I responded to anger with anger, slow down for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and then respond to them. Then respond to them in that moment instead of trying to do it out of frustration. Because when we respond out of anger, it's really, really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. We're going to look here too now, okay well, if we we see different types of angry, what that leads us to, and so how do we avoid anger? How do we avoid it? how do we how do we keep ourselves from either because we have angry moments? This is, I want you to all to understand this is that I don't feel like like. You know, anybody. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're excused from anger. We all have this. We all deal with this. But how we deal with it is important. So for us, just to we can't just say, "Well, I'm just going to stop being angry." But for us to avoid being angry, we've got to know why. Why should I avoid it? Why should I? Why should I stay away from anger? Well, right there in James chapter one and verse twenty. It says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember revenge being a part of the fruits of the Spirit. We've got to understand that that in that moment, anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in us. It just doesn't come out, and it can't come out. You will produce fruit, but it will be rotten and bitter in those moments. And we can't allow that to take over. So here are some things that we can do that will help us. The first is, is, and these are all straight from the Bible, folks. The first one is quick to listen. <laughs> quick to listen. Right there in verse 19 at the very top. You, you must all be quick to listen. So when someone is talking and they're angry and they're responding in anger towards you and it can potentially be hurtful the best thing that you can do that you can do is listen to what they have to say because a wise person can find wisdom in the most foolish of things somebody who is who is listening for it you can find what's going on what the real root is because when someone is angry and they're responding in anger there's a root problem to that and you can usually find it if you'll just stop and listen for a moment If you'll stop and listen to what it really is, because in the moment, yeah, it might be because the stapler is broke, okay? But there's something that is way worse than that. There's something that's going on at home that is already frustrating that person. There's something already going on with their kids. or something already going on with their parents or whatever it is that's already going on. And if we'll just take a moment to listen, we can dig down deep and find out what the root to the anger really is. And then in that way, we can love them like the Bible says we should love them. We can, we can give them food when they're hungry. We can give them a drink when they're thirsty. We can help them through those moments. Instead of just trying to talk. Because so many times a lot of you guys are like me and you're quick-witted and you want to interject and try to cut them off and get in there soon and, and keep them from doing anything. Because honestly, we're born with this ability or this tendency to protect ourselves. From the very beginning, we're, it's, it's in our nature that we're going to guard ourselves. And sometimes the way we guard ourselves is, is with poisonous words. So we have to watch that. We have to watch what we say and how we guard ourselves. Allow the Holy Spirit to guard you. And in those moments, listen to what they're saying, and then we can respond in the proper way instead of just flying off the, hand, the handle, getting angry, or trying to say something quick just to diffuse the situation. I remember for me, I had uh, a professor when I went to college, and and I'd had a moment where I was really, really angry, really hurt, and really bitter. And I walked into his office in my moment of anger, and I just said, okay, or I text him. I was like, I'm going to be in your office in five minutes. He's like, I'll be there. And so I I got there, and I sat down and said, look, I'm just going to start to talk, and I'm going to start to say some things, and I'm going to vent. And what I need is I just need for you to listen and then help me. I need for you just to listen to everything I'm going to say. It's not going to be the most Christ-like. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be clean. It's going to be very raw and very angry. But I need you to help me get through this. And so I sat down. I said lots of things as I was angry. And after it was over with and I was done, he paused and he said, okay, now let's work on this. And in that moment, that helped me because I I was allowed to speak. I was allowed to finish my thought, and while I'm finishing my thought, he's digging for the root problem and is able to help me find that and then fix it and find a solution so that I don't have to live in anger anymore either. But because he didn't cut me off, because he didn't say, you know what, Colton, I'm just going to stop you right there. He allowed me to finish what I'm saying, and then through that, he listened, and the Holy Spirit gave him wisdom on how to guide me out of my anger. And we can do the same thing. Just because he's a professor doesn't mean that he's any better than any one of us. If we're all using the Bible as our tool and allowing the Holy Spirit to penetrate our hearts, then we're going to be okay. We can help people through those situations. We can help people with wisdom and helping them find what they need. In this very book that we're reading, it says, If you need wisdom, then ask God. Ask Him and He'll give it to you. Everything that you need. So as long as we listen and allow the Holy Spirit to move in those moments, then we can truly help people. We can truly help them get outside of that. The second one is slow to speak. You must all be slow to speak. So just take a moment. Take a moment and slow down. Listen to what they have to say. But then the deal is it says you must be slow to speak. But it does say to speak. It does say that it's okay to say something. But just wait a moment. But when they're done, talk to them. Help them work through whatever is going on. If we don't speak, then we've moved into the temptation of abandonment. And we've pushed them to the side. And so we want to speak wisdom and life into their lives. So when they are angry, we can listen, allow the Holy Spirit to move, and then speak into their life exactly what they need to hear that will help them. But we've got to be willing to speak, even if it's the truth, and the truth is very hard sometimes. But as long as it's done out of love, it's going to be just fine. It's going to be just fine, but we've got to be willing to speak. And then the last thing is humility. We've got to be humble. We've got to be humble right here. In verse 21, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. The, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. For us to be able to do this, for us to sit back and allow someone to, to make us angry or potentially make us angry to do things towards us that could be hurtful, for us to just sit there and listen, that's going to take a lot of humility. That's going to take a lot of humility, but the word of God has already been planted in your heart. So if we will humbly accept that, then we can have humility in those moments to help them have wisdom. We've got to be humble. We've got to be willing just to sit back and, and let somebody get through their angry process, and then we can speak to them. But that's going to take humility. It's going to take humility. It says on here, or in here, it says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. And the reason that we respond in anger a lot of times is because we haven't gotten rid of all of the filth and evil in our lives. We call ourselves Christ followers, but we're still wearing our old clothes. And then it's wondering why we stink when we've got old clothes on. Be willing to shed all of that old stuff off. Put on the new clothes, the new life that God has given you, and then proceed from there. But if we're still wearing all of our old sins, then we're going to respond in sin when people get angry towards us. Have a little bit of humility. Have humility in those moments. Allow the Word of God to sink into your heart, deep inside of your heart. Let that be where you are rooted. And when you're rooted into the Word of God, you'll have joy instead of anger. Because ultimately, Anger damages your ability to share the gospel. It damages your ability to share the gospel because it changes what you look like and what your image is. And a lot of times we're like, well, we shouldn't be so worried about image, but you should be worried about your image because your image should reflect Christ. And that's important that we do.